Turn to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 19. Uh, keep your hand there, if you will, and I want to have you flip back and forth to a place just before it and just after it. If you look at Judges 17 and look at verse 6, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I, I believe that verse summarizes the book of Judges. Now if you'll flip forward a couple more ch uh, chapters and go to chapter 21, and if you look at verse 25, the same verse is repeated for us to end the book. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I want to talk to you this morning, and the title will become apparent at the end of the message. It will not become apparent at the beginning. But I want to talk to you about hope in times of darkness and something amazing that God did during this very sordid, dark time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these sweet songs of Zion, the special music, and uh, Father, this presentation concerning Stanton Healthcare and just a chance to fellowship, to give, to be together, and to worship your holy name on your day. Help us now, Lord, as we look into the Word of God. Help me to say the things that are necessary and edifying. And help me to get out of the way that I do not become a hindrance, but rather a conduit to your truth this morning. Open every heart. And pray especially for that one without Christ. Whether they're here in the building with us or looking online, we ask, Lord, that they would turn in repentance to Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and know what it's like to have sins forgiven eternally. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Judges 17, 6, Judges 21, verse 25, the two verses we just read, basically tell us that every man had become his own authority. Does that sound familiar? Postmodernism, my truth, your truth, whoever's truth. All truth is relevant. All truth is good. Just make up your truth and go with it. You know, there's one real big problem with that. In fact, there's a bunch of real big problems with that. But you know, Hitler was true to his truth. If you want to really examine history in light of postmodernism and the philosophy of our day. But that's what we're looking at. When I think of what's going on spiritually, morally, and philosophically, not only in our country but throughout the world, I'm reminded of the book of Judges in these two verses. No final authority except the shifting sands of men's opinions. But as a Bible-believing Christian, we have a final authority. Judges chapter 19. Now, the book of Judges, if you look at Judges chapter 1 verse 1, I'm going to have you... Flip over there before we go to 19 again. Another thing we need to take in context here is Judges chapter 1, verse 1. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass. So after their last strong leader passed away, which is what Joshua was, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us? 
against the Canaanites first to fight against them. Strong leadership was gone. The period of the judges covers right about circa 1350 B.C. to 1000 B.C. Not quite 350 years. Late in that period of time comes the very next book in your Bible, the book of Ruth. And we're going we're gonna to end up there this morning. In Judges chapter 19, the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel, but there was a certain Levite sojourning on the side of Mount Ephraim who took to him a concubine out of Bethlehem, Judah. Now, I don't normally do this, but I am, I am going to read this chapter to you. And some of you are familiar with it and some of you are not. If you've never read this chapter before, you are in for a shock. And I want to say right up front, what, what God describes here, he's not condoning. He's just telling it like it is. He's not sugarcoating it. He's not sweeping it under the carpet. He's not sanitizing it. He's just telling you the way it happened. And it's arguably one of the most sordid stories anywhere in the Word of God. Verse 2, And his concubine played the whore against him and went away from him unto her father's house to Bethlehem, Judah, and was there four whole months. And her husband arose and went after her to speak friendly unto her and to bring her again, having his servant with him and a couple of asses. And she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the damsel saw him, he rejoiced to meet him. And his father-in-law, the damsel's father, retained him. And he abode with him three days, so they did eat and drink and lodge there. And it came to pass on the fourth day, when they arose early in the morning, that he rose up to depart, and the damsel's father said unto his son-in-law, Comfort thine heart with a morsel of bread, and afterward go your way. And they sat down, and did eat and drink, both of them together. For the damsel's father had said unto the man, Be content, I pray thee, and tarry all night, and let thine heart be merry. And when the man arose to depart, his father-in-law urged him. Therefore he lodged there again. And he rose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. And the damsel's father said, Comfort thine heart, I pray thee. And they tarried till afternoon, and they did eat both of them. And when the man rose up to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the damsel's father, said unto him, Behold, now the day draweth toward evening. I pray you, tarry all night. Behold, the day groweth to an end. Lodge here that thine heart may be merry, and tomorrow... Get you early on your way that thou mayest go home. But the man would not tarry that night. But he rose up and departed and came over against Jebus, which is Jerusalem. And there were with him two asses saddled, his concubine also with him. And when they were by Jebus, the day was far spent. And the servant said unto his master, Come, I pray thee, and let us turn into this city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. And his master said unto him, We will not turn aside hither into the city of a stranger that is not of the children of Israel. We will pass over to Gibeah. And he said unto his servant, Come, let us draw near 
to one of these places to lodge all night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed on and went their way. And the sun went down upon them. They were by Gibeah, which belongeth to Benjamin. And they turned aside thither to go in and to lodge in Gibeah. And when he went in, he sat him down in a street of the city, for there was no man that took them in to his house to lodging. And behold, there came an old man from his work out of the field at even, which was also of Mount Ephraim. And he sojourned in Gibeah, but the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he lifted up his eyes, he saw a wayfaring man in the street of the city. And the old man said, Whither goest thou, and whence comest thou? And he said unto him, We are passing from Bethlehem, Judah, toward the side of Mount Ephraim. From whence am I? And I went to Bethlehem, Judah, but I am now going to the house of the Lord, and there is no man that receiveth me to house. Yet there is both straw and provender for our asses, and there is bread and wine also for me, and for thy handmaiden, and for the young man which is with thy servants, there is no want of anything. And the old man said, Peace be with thee. Howsoever, let all thy wants lie upon me, only lodge not in the street. So he brought him into his house and gave provender unto the asses. And they washed their feet and did eat and drink. Now as they were making uh, their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial, beset the house round about and beat at the door and spake to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring forth the man that came into thine house that we may know him. And the man, the master of the house, went out unto them and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you, do not so wickedly, seeing that this man has come into mine house, do not this folly. Behold, here is my daughter, a maiden, and his concubine. Them will I bring out now, and humble ye them, and do with them that which seemeth good unto you, but do not unto this man, do not so vile a thing. But the men would not hearken to him. So the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them, and they knew her and abused her all the night until the morning. And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Then came the woman in the dawning of the day and fell down at the door of the man's house where her Lord was till it was light. And her Lord rose up in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman, his concubine, was fallen down at the door of the house and her hands were upon the threshold. And he said unto her, Up, and let us be going. But none answered. Then the man took her up upon an ass, and the man rose up and gat him unto his place. And when he was come into his house, he took a knife and laid hold on his concubine and divided her, together with her bones, into twelve pieces, and sent her into all the coasts of Israel. And it was so, that all that saw it said, there was no such deed done nor seen from that day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt unto this day. Consider of it, take advice, and speak your minds. Now, if you're like me, I just don't even want, know what to say in commentary to that. I think it speaks for itself. The very next chapter Tens of thousands die in a civil war in Israel. The other 11 tribes versus Benjamin. 
The tribe of Benjamin would not deliver up the perpetrators. And so literally tens of thousands of men died in a civil war. And then in chapter 21, the tribe of Benjamin who loses this war ends up getting salvaged, if you will, in the sense that they are not completely eliminated or in today's terms, what would we say, canceled. But as I said before, God is not condoning what happens here. He's just telling you what happened. I wonder if someone in that day and age could read stories about what's going on today in America if they wouldn't be equally shocked. You say, how so? Well, we already talked about it this morning. Abortion. One process to abort a baby is that the baby is literally pulled apart in the womb. Some states pride themselves in the idea that a baby can be aborted right up to the time of birth. You think that might shock them the way this story shocks you and I? Oh, and people are paid to do it. We have more refined techniques than this man had with his concubine. We pay doctors to do it. We've done a better job of sanitizing it. Uh, I wonder what they would think about people mutilating themselves or having a child mutilated to change their gender. I wonder if they were reading about that then I wonder what they would think of that. I wonder how shocked they would be at that. I wonder how shocked they would be at the idea that we could drop one bomb out of the sky. Of course, they'd be amazed we could get into the sky, wouldn't they now? And kill tens of thousands of people like that. I, I think one, there, there, is a, there is a humorous aspect to all of this. Go to chapter 21. And for you single young men, if God hasn't brought anybody into your life yet for marriage, a woman, <laughs> we have to be clear these days about that. Uh, there is a portion of scripture here I call desperation courting. <laughs> and because most of the men of, <laughs> most of, most of Benjamin was wiped out and the other 11 tribes didn't want to lose the tribe out of Israel, so, and, and I don't have time to go into all the details, but uh, once everybody was accounted for, there were still some men that didn't have anybody, and so, so here's, here's what was recommended. If you look at verse 16, and uh, how shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? And... Um, and then you get down to uh, verse 19. Then they said, Behold, there is a feast of the Lord in Shiloh yearly in a place which is on the north side of Bethel and on the east side of the highway that goeth up from Bethel to Shechem and on the south of, of Labona. Therefore they commanded the children of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in wait in the vineyards. And see and behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance and dances, then come ye out of the vineyards and catch you, every man a wife. <laughs> 
Pick one out and catch her and run off. <laughs> and in verse 22, and it shall be when their fathers or their brethren come unto us to complain. Yeah, I guess they might do that. <laughs> I guess someone might complain. I know if I was a father, I'd complain, but I'd have a shotgun in my hand while I was complaining. <laughs> uh, be faithful. Then, that we will say unto them, be favorable unto them for our sakes. I mean, this, this, this portion of Scripture is not without its humor. Um, I mean, we could multiply examples of the moral, ethical, societal, and spiritual debauchery of our day. You know, they've been real slow to publish the manifesto of that trans freak that shot up that Christian school and killed those children. I wonder why they're so slow to reveal that manifesto. I, I, I wonder why. I wonder why the media isn't more anxious to get that out so that we understand the truth of that freak's hatred of God and God's people. So I think as we read this chapter, we're reminded of things that are going on even right now. To the point where 27 states have either passed or are considering legislation to keep doctors, lawyers, parents, educators, clergy from perversely mutilating children. And the only serious populist opposition is a beer brand boycott. I'm talking populist. Now, having set the table, I want you to take your Bibles and go to Ruth chapter 1. Very next book of the Bible. And the book of Ruth takes place in the last third of this period of the judges. So it is right smack in it, the fully developed period of the judges. And again, I, I, we could have read the rest of the book and saw all kinds of other ex examples of what happens when every man does that which is right in his own eyes. To put it in modern terms, when every man has his own truth. Postmodernism, period of time we're living in right now, since about the mid-80s. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now, for the sake of time, I'm just going to summarize the first three chapters. Chapter 1 they get to the land of Moab to escape the famine. And these, these two young men, the two sons, marry daughters of Moab. And in the process of time, dad dies, the two sons die, and mom is left with her two daughter-in-laws, all three of them widows. Ultimately, they find out that there's bread in the land again. They leave Moab 
one of the daughter-in-laws decides to stay back and one cleaves to her, one cleaves to Naomi, and her name is Ruth, and thus the title of the book. Chapters, chapters 2 and 3 are primarily occupied with once Ruth and Naomi get back to Jerusalem, back, or excuse me, to Bethlehem, the house of bread, to Naomi coaching Ruth in getting another husband. It's basically what it is. And, and I have a series of messages called Letting God Choose Your Mate that are based on those two chapters. You may remember those. Now you get to chapter four. And when you get to chapter four, Ruth, Ruth, ends, up, Ruth ends up marrying Boaz, a wealthy landowner. And you pick up the narrative in verse 13, and this is where we'll start reading. And remember, this is all going on during the times in which the events that we just read about in Judges 19 were taking place. That and so much more. Every man doing that which was right in his own eyes. And, and, and by the way, it's a delightful love story, romance, uh, there's some beautiful pictures of the relationship between Christ and the church, and Christ is our kinsman redeemer. Things we don't even have time to scratch the surface of. But that's not my point this morning. My point is this. When we get to chapter 4, and Ruth and Boaz come together, and they get married, and God providentially gives this uh, Moabitess little girl who's come out of the land of Moab, who's been widowed, it gives her this wonderful husband and gives this man this wonderful wife. And again, it's, it's, it's a delightful love story, but it's so much more than that. Because when we get to chapter 4, we'll pick it up in verse 13. And the Bible says, so Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And, and, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom, and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And then the Bible says in verse 18, Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez begat Hezron. Hezron begat Ram. And Ram begat Aminadab. And Aminadab begat Naeshon. And Naeshon begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz. And Boaz begat Obed. And Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. If we were to take the time this morning, and we almost always do it around Christmas time, we would go to Luke chapter 3, and we would see the lineage of Mary to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Luke chapter 3, we have the true heredity 
or descent of the Lord Jesus Christ through Mary. Because Mary was truly the mother of Jesus. If we went to Matthew chapter 1, <laughs> we would see the lineage of, lineage of Joseph, who was not Jesus' father, but he was Jesus' stepfather. Because Jesus was born of the Holy Ghost. And the reason his lineage is given in Matthew chapter 1 is because through that lineage, legally, Christ could have the scepter to the kingdom through his adopted father. And in both of these lineages, we would see something very similar. If you will look back at chapter 4 here in the last few verses or so, you would see something very similar. The same genealogy, same genealogy as you're seeing right there. What am I saying? Quietly. 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 While 12 pieces of a woman are delivered FedEx to the 12 tribes of Israel is making all the headlines quietly, quietly. Nobody knows, nobody sees, very few understand. God is preparing a redeemer to die for the sins of the entire world. Shh. He's doing it quietly. All the noise is all of this debauchery. All of this noise is hand-wringing. And lions and tigers and bears, oh my! And in the middle of all of this, God is quietly preparing a way for the creator of the universe to come down to us as a little baby. That he might grow up to be a full-grown man and live sinlessly and die on the cross for our sins, becoming sin for every last one of us. Who would have thought? Take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 4. We're almost done. Galatians chapter 4, verse 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. What we just read this morning in the book of Ruth was part of that phrase. It's included in this phrase. It's a penumbra of this phrase. But when the fullness of the time was come, God was working on the lineage of Christ quietly while all this other insanity was going on. 
When somebody asks me about much of what's going on in our country today, I just simply say it this way. It's madness. It's madness. You have to be crazy, out of your mind, ready for a rubber room to think that half of it makes any sense. Much less to understand there are people pushing it because it's good. It's the way things should be. <laughs> Do you know what's going on right now with God? His son is getting ready as we speak to come back and take his bride out of this world in a time when there is no king in Israel and every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. Do you know what's going on right now? Do you know what's going on right now besides that? After that's all taken place, he's coming back with his bride. And he's getting ready as we speak to fulfill every second advent prophecy from the minor and major prophets in the Old Testament to Matthew chapter 24 that we've been studying on Sunday morning to the entire book of Revelation. That's what he's getting ready to do. The news is not about some guy named Dylan or a girl named Dylan or whatever it is, it's whatever it is named Dylan prancing around like a fairy. That's a sideshow. That's a sideshow. Along with every other, every other thing that seems to shock, appall, and amaze anyone that still has a conscience and any semblance of a sense of right and wrong. You know what God's getting ready to do? He's ready to take it. And you see this expression in the Old Testament over and over again. The besom of destruction. You know what that word besom means? It means broom. And God just plans on taking a big broom and going, sweeping it all aside. And say, get out of the way. My son is coming. Prepare a highway for our God. Lift up those gates. The everlasting doors. The king of glory is coming in. And he's not going to give a nickel's worth of attention to any of that except to destroy it. In a New York minute. That's what's going on right now. And who's talking about it? Not MSNBC. Not CNN. Not Fox. The big news there is they lost uh, uh, Tucker. And CNN lost Huza or Whatza. They don't even understand the concept. Pull the man on the street. Hey, what's the biggest news? And they'll talk about all this stuff that's making headlines. The stuff that all the talking heads just yammer, 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 yammer about and try to keep you watching because they're sponsors. 
need to sell you their products. And quietly, quietly, there's a timer. And it's going tick, 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 tick. And when it hits a certain point, and God only knows, only God knows. Well, there's a couple Baptist preachers that know, but... They'll write another book. <laughs> They'll be wrong again, and someone will take their place. But only God knows. And when that alarm goes off, Jesus is coming back. He's taking his bride out of this world. And, and he's coming back shortly after that, like in about seven years. And he's going to set up a kingdom that will go on for one thousand years and just like just like when Jesus was born the true believers cared nothing about that period of time just just a little further out of reach in 1000 BC when all that nonsense was going on in the book of Judges we won't care a nickel's worth for any of this junk do you see where the priority lies do you see what's really important? And, 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 and may I also say to you, this morning without any fear of contradiction, if your life in some respect looks as messed up as the book of Judges in whatever way, God could be doing something just as wonderful as he was doing in the book of Judges in your life today. By the way, if you're saved, when it's all said and done, you're going to be in heaven with him. I mean, you could do worse. <laughs> this age is going to end in the rapture of the church. The second advent is going to bring on the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And then we'll be brought to pass for God's people that which is written in Psalm chapter 68, verse 13. Though you have lean among the pots, you shall be as the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. To appoint them, Isaiah 61, that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Man makes all of this noise. And God just quietly works until the trumpet blows and everything else is swept away and he's going to get the glory and he's going to get the honor. Let's bow for a word of prayer. The heads bowed and our eyes closed. As believers this morning, might we consider that so much of what's around us is distractions. And some of them are almost impossible to avoid. So might we this morning, by the grace of God, help us, Lord, to obey what you said in the book of Hebrews. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
Lord, this morning, when we consider that we know, we know what you're doing. We know what you're going to do. And so much more that we might know and keep our eyes, keep our eyes on the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Realize, Lord, the rest of its noise, the rest of its distractions. And may we go into this world as soldiers of the cross and tell others about a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, of whom the fullness of times was being wrought, even in the midst of all of that 350 years of confusion in the book of Judges. just the same today Lord he's getting ready to come back he's getting ready to come back help us Lord not to keep it a secret but to tell others and to broadcast it abroad and walk confidently in you you said cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward and casting all your care upon him for he careth for you Lord help us This morning, I'm sure there are some looking in. I'm sure there are some in this building that look at their lives and see as much confusion in their own way as we might find in the book of Judges. But help them to realize, Lord, that you're still working. There's Ruth. There's Naomi. There's Boaz. There's little Obed, grandfather of David, line of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you so great that you can create this incredibly massive-sized universe and yet so devoted to each and every one of us that you can hear our feeble prayers day by day, moment by moment. You're a great God. We love you this morning, and we thank you for who you are what you've done. Help us, Lord, to devote ourselves to tell others and give you the praise and the glory and the honor. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's take our hymnals and stand and turn to number 595. And let's sing it out, number 595. One day when heaven is praises one day when sin was as black as could be Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin dwelt among men my example is he living he loved
my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. One day the grave could, could seal him no Dr. Sam Gipp, would you come on up and close us in a word of prayer? Father, we're Baptist, and we're going to go eat. But we just ate. We just had a meal. And God, we come to this church, and we get fed. We thank you so much, God. We thank you. We thank you for what we have here. We thank you for the fellowship that we have with each other. It's all because of you. And we thank you, God, for the confidence that we have in our salvation. And uh, either the rapture or the resurrection, God... Uh, one of them is going to get us, and none of that is bad. We thank you so much, God. We thank you for being kind and gracious and merciful. I mean, from one Sunday to another, God, we, we take advantage of just those three attributes of yours. We thank you so much. God, thank you for this couple that came to join. They joined a good church. They'll be blessed by being here. So, Father, bless these people, all of them here that came today. Some of them came, probably didn't feel like it, probably didn't feel good, maybe a headache, whatever the case, but they did what they should. So bless them for coming and keep them all safe, God, for thee. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.